This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Jamie, is uh, this evening, now this is unusual because normally when I introduce the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio, it would be Jamie <laughs> and, well, we had... It wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be here at all. You, you are a panel tonight. I am. I'm the, I am the panel. You are a one-man panel. Thanks for telling panel. me that in advance, by the way. Yes. Talk about pressure. Well, now you can t- tap into your ego and your id. You can actually talk from your two sides of your personality and argue with I'm yourself. I'm always tapped into my ego, man. You know that. <laughs> always. The tap is always running. Uh, I don't believe that. Mr. Humility is what they call him around the station. Yes, they do. Um, Among other things. (laughs) You're not a a pompous guy. You're not an arrogant guy. I've never known you to be that. Hardly at all. No, I I do not know you as that. (laughs) Thank you, Scott. Uh, We got a lot of things I wanted to get to uh, today. Um, And, you know, the the story more than any other story this week, and there's a lot of interesting stuff that happened this week. We're going to be all over the map tonight. I I warn you ahead of time, we are going to be from the silly to the sublime to the serious to the potentially insane. Perfect. But this one tonight, this one early this week, earlier this week, actually caught me a little bit by surprise. And this was the thing that I probably had the biggest reaction to all week this week. And that was when... um, the new governor general, Julie Payette, mm-hmm. astronaut, yeah. engineer, PhD, whatever, gave a speech earlier this week, and she was talking to some folks at a science club or something, in which she mocked, and that's the only word I can use, mocked those who might disagree with human-caused climate change, all right, uh, mocked those who are into astrology, All right. But more interestingly to me, mocked anybody who would possibly believe that any kind of God exists or that there was some sort of God that may have been involved in the creation of or whatever. And what surprised me about this is people listening, you can have your views. You can be a staunch Darwinist or you could be someone who believes in God. I'm not sure that the Queen's representative, a a person who was tabbed by the Prime Minister to represent Canadians in one of her first public speeches and appearances should be going out and essentially mocking and deriding a huge swath of the Canadian population. I don't quite get what she was doing. Was there anything in particular that she said? Because I didn't hear it and I didn't I didn't read about it. Let me read you. Because I'm not very well read and I'm not very well heard. Sure. Let me read you uh, some of the quotes. Because I want to determine whether there was mockery or not. I mean, just because you say... She mocked uh, God or religion well, doesn't mean she did. Let me. This is from a story that I'm going to read from someone who was right there. Can you okay. believe, this is a quote, can you believe that still today in learned society, in houses of government, unfortunately, we're still debating and still questioning whether humans have a role in the earth warming up or whether even the earth is warming up, period, she said. The, the reporter writes, Payette's delivery was theatrical, her tone incredulous. And back to her quote, and we're still debating and still questioning whether life was a divine intervention or whether it was coming out of a natural process, let alone, oh my goodness, a random process. Oh, and then she goes okay. on. It was clearly a... Right. That's, that's an arrogant An stance. arrogant stance that sure. anyone who would not agree with her as an absolute atheist is not to be listened to, is not to be paid attention to, is to be scorned and looked down upon. And I just find it again. The, the, what, what I, one of the other things I find incredible, incredible about this, she is the Queen's representative. Mm-hmm. The Queen is the head of the Church of England. <laughs> That's right. Whose official position is yeah. that God was involved in the creation of the earth. That's right. But regardless of, again, regardless of your beliefs on this, I just don't understand why you make the point right off the bat. This is, this is the platform you are standing on now on day one of your job so that was her first like pretty big, much big pretty speech. much yeah pretty much then she you know blew it there's no question about it so um you know okay i'll, I'll excuse her this time for um overstepping her bounds uh certainly she did i mean if uh, clearly from what you read back to me that's that was a mistake on her part. But she, don't, she don't, went too far. Don't people who hold these positions or get these positions don't? And we don't know this. I don't think you know. Don't they have someone before they start say, "Here's what your role is"? Well, you would think so, but we're finding that more and more today, um, there isn't a lot of decorum consulting or training 
going on before uh, people in leadership roles are opening their mouths. There, there aren't, there isn't a safety net behind them. There isn't a set of filters uh, for them to go through before they go off and say whatever they seem to want to say. And I mean, there's so many areas we can branch out into off of this. But I think that's what it comes down to. I think we're in a time and a place where increasingly people are in leadership positions are feeling as though they have license to say whatever they want about anything they want because they can always throw contrition out there after the fact well, but and except, make it all go away. Except the contrition always is not, I'm sorry for what I said. It's, I'm sorry if you were offended. So they're never really sorry. It's, if she offers an apology, if she offers of an time. apology for this, she's not really going to be sorry. No, it's because some, again, it would be because somebody else, the prime minister or somebody else's, the PMO's office has called up and said, oh, Julie, Julie, Julie. No, no, Ju- they, they applauded her. They backed her oh, 100%. They okay, well, then he's to be slapped for that one as well. But I'm waiting now for some head of an indigenous group who the liberal, conserv- the liberal federal liberals are the big champions of, allegedly. I'm waiting for the indigenous leaders to come and say, well, we believe that a spirit helped create the world. Yeah, get you goomy. Or we, or the, or an Islamic group to come and say, well, yeah. we believe that yeah. Allah created mm-hmm. the world. And then what do you do? Because again, I just, I don't understand why the person, and I, listen, I have, on this so, show, we can play back the tape. I applauded her choice as governor general. I thought she was a terrific and, choice. And so did I. But, but has anybody? Not that I've heard. Okay. Other than just sporadic, it's not her place is the basic comment, but they're not, it's not coming from religious groups or anyone. It's, it's commentators basically saying, I can't believe she did this. Like, how did, how do you start your term? And I don't even know how long the governor general's term is. It's got to be six or eight years or something. David Johnson was in for some period of time. It was, it seemed like a reasonably long time, but how do you start and how do you not realize that you're being this patronizing or this dismissive or this? Because her head is so deeply into the scientific mindset. That's why. Uh, and that isn't to say that uh, everybody that or anybody that's got their head into science doesn't have faith as well. Um, but let's be honest, a lot of them don't. No. <laughs> a no. lot of them don't. And they're, they're entitled to not have it. They are entitled abs- to their absolutely opinion. Absolutely they are. But you're not entitled, I agree with you, you're not un- entitled to go out and um, intentionally or unintentionally offend a large part of the population that you're there to represent um, I've in always, that way. I've always thought the governor general, by and large, was a benign figure. Mm-hmm. They, they, they hand out the orders of Canada. Symbolic. It's a lovely Sim- position. It's a, it's, a, it's a nice thing. I know that the anti-monarchists are like, get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. But, but, but they don't, uh, up until this point, I've never, I don't PR recall office. anybody ever taking, t- taking the role to, in, uh, interpreting the purpose of the role to be being a spokesperson for anything. They are the one who stands there and does what the queen would do. They basically put, put a pin on you or they inspect soldiers. Do we want, you know, Rex Murphy. Well, you're not going to tell Julie Payette to, to not do that because what, that she grew up as a, as a female who became an astronaut who's accomplished great things at a time when... Women weren't supposed to be doing that. She's broke a lot of glass ceilings. Well, you could say the same about Adrian Clarkson, who was the position for long before, but I don't recall her, at least while she was holding Didn't that position. Did she have any scandals? Not that I recall. And then there was... Pamela um, Wallen. Uh, there was... Uh, who was the other governor general? I'm forgetting her name now. Pamela Wallen. No, who no. was born in... Uh, who was the Haitian-born just oh, before uh, David Johnson. I can't remember I, I, her name either. She was from the CBC, too. Yeah, well, yeah, the, <laughs> she was. No, that's true. She was another CBC appointment. But Rex Murphy, he was writing in the National Post Let's about make him this. The governor general. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be interesting. Yeah, uh, I say I like Rex. I think he's a very intelligent guy. But he, he was writing about this, and he goes, "You know what is wrong with this? Is that if you are elected, you are entitled to hold these positions publicly and s- express these positions publicly. If you are selected." You are not allowed to, because this. She's not an elected official. She's not someone who can be voted out. She's not selected. Well, selected. I overpronounced it, so it sounded like it was something aqua, aquatic, or something. Very. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. Well, I just, she's all wet on this one. I, I, I look at this and I think, how did somebody from somewhere not pull her aside and say, now, if you accept this role, it is to shake hands and put on buttons and... Scientists are nerds. They're not... They're, <laughs> they're smart nerds, but they're nerds. And they, and they sometimes shoot from the lip and they sometimes put their feet in their mouths in those types of situations. Those those types of situations, the situations that, that she's going to find herself in, are not really... Na- don't come naturally to somebody like her, I don't think. She's in labs. She's in scientific environs. She's in space. She's jammed into the space shuttle. She's doing difficult math equations on a blackboard. She's... This I is understand. What she's doing. She, I understand. She's not all doing that. high tea and medals. I understand. And, and but she took, this, she took this role that is that, though. And what I really find so about blame this. Blame her handlers. It is. And this her. comes across as absolute elitism. And when you hear I, I her don't disagree talk you. down to people, you wonder about okay, so does she think then that you should have to be a certain IQ to vote? That you should that oh that, that the great unwashed really yeah, shouldn't. If you don't be, have a master's degree. You really don't have just a say sit out, in anything. Sit it's, this one out. That's the impression you get from yeah, these kind I, of comments. She, uh, there's snobbery, um, great word. coming in. Great snobbery word. is and is, that's un. It smells snobbish. It's it definitely not nice from this position no, that is generally, no. as you say, supposed to be a figurehead. Yeah. And you yeah. know what? If you if she didn't think that she could sit back idly and look she's a very bright woman we're not arguing that this is not a woman man thing I would have said the exact same thing if it had been the previous governor general who was a man if you take this position I think you have to understand what this position is and you put aside some of your other stuff while you're in this position yeah I I agree she wants to say this stuff and hold these you know what she could have run for office probably one election and then had all the right in the world to say this. Stuff. I think she needs to under, understand that she is not um, the position now. The position is her. The, the, that she's not coming in and taking over that position and determining how that position should be represented to the people. That it's exactly the opposite. That you've agreed to come in, but this position is over you. Mm. And that you must conduct yourself in a certain way and manner within that or with, you know, underneath that as the thing that covers the whole thing. I wonder if the queen would reach out to her. Julie, yeah. don't do that again, please. I wonder if uh, I don't agree with you. <laughs> I wonder if Donald Trump, if that's catching on with him, that he's not the position, that the position is something that's larger than he is. I, I, that's a great point. The only difference is that Donald Trump, whether you like it or not, whether anyone likes it or not, he was elected, so he does have the right to say those things. I just don't see that she does. But Donald Trump is a different issue on a whole bunch of different things. Um, we may get to that later today. I don't know. We'll see. I hope so. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Uh, Jamie West in as the brightest panel Here. on Hamilton Radio. Here. The lone entry on the brightest panel on Hamilton Radio tonight. I feel honored, though. I, like I've got, I don't have anybody to argue with other than well, you. me. And we'll argue, I'm sure. Uh, well, we probably will. Uh, <laughs> this week, one of the other big stories this week, there are many of them, but one of the other big stories this week, of course, as it should be, this seemingly unending string now of Hollywood and other celebrities whose past bad behaviors or alleged past bad behaviors are catching up with them. Kevin Spacey now. There are people coming forward all over the place, numerous people. Dustin Hoffman now has people alleging that he sexually harassed or did something else with them. Directors, producers. I mean, this seems to be, first of all, the first part about this, uh, this seems like it's going to be the great cleaning. Because, boy, oh, boy, suddenly it looks like the doors have been opened. And if you're in Hollywood, or frankly, if you're anywhere, and you've got some of this in your closet. You... There's a story about that, too. And I don't mean, did you hear that story, the Jennifer Lawrence story? No. She was guest hosting for Kimmel. Was it last night? I saw this on a social media okay. feed today. She told a story about being at the Kardashians' home. Uh, the mother's name is Jenner, right? Chris Jenner. Yeah, Krista, I don't Kristen follow Jenner, the Kardashians yeah, yeah. all that much. 
But there was a story involving her being in a closet, and I don't mean in the closet. Yes. In that sense, but in a closet and fully naked and being drunk. And she's on Kimmel with Kim Kardashian talking about how she was really drunk and that her the, the mother of Kim Kardashian, Kris Jenner, was really drunk. And Kim Kardashian's telling her how that's the drunkest I've ever seen my mother. Now, they're on national television talking about that and how Jennifer Lawrence got so got loaded and took all her clothes off in this in the mother's closet. And you can imagine that it's a Hollywood closet, yeah. so it's probably the size, size of, of my house. Right, exactly. And was drunk and demanding that that um that Kim and Kanye come in and dress her. You didn't hear that story? No, it's it's a uh it's it's a it's a strange And I thought the timing of the well, the release of that story at a time when there's all of this you know all these stories are coming out was kind of weird to me somehow. I felt icky about it. Well, the whole you know what icky. I'm realizing and I think a lot of people are realizing it that what we the? have we have spent years on? we have spent years having folks in Hollywood preach to us about how we should live, how we should think, what we should support, what's right, what's wrong. And now that the floodgates are opening, we're realizing that the people who were instructing us on how to be good people and the people who were saying to us, you should be more like us, seems vast swaths of them are disgusting human beings. That's that's what I'm getting out of this. That the Some of the people that we looked up to, that we said, I want to be like him. Now you're looking going, wait a second, how, who are these people and why did they think they could do this? And, and the whole thing, I just, icky is a great word. It's a stupid word. I mean, but it's, it's the right word. It's a silly word, but it's the right word. That's what you feel like after you listen to every story and you take a bath. I just thought, I mean, I haven't even talked about what you came in on, the point, because I hijacked it and took you into no, this Kardashian thing. But, but it's all the same. It's all tied into the same thing in a sense. But it just... It, it just left me thinking, why, what is going on? Like, first of all, what is it about you, Jennifer Lawrence, that makes you think that, you, that that's a good, great story to tell uh, to a national audience? Does that, do, does that do anything for you as an actress? I mean, when you're did, going Did the on, audience laugh? I don't know. I didn't see. I didn't see that. I didn't detect. Yes, I think they did. But uh, but you know, there's applause signs flashing in the studio to get them to applaud. Like pe- people have a sense too that that's all reality. It it isn't. It's it's show business. It's television. It's it's not reality. None of it is. The, even the re- reactions of the audiences aren't aren't real. They're they're prodded. Mm-hmm. And so. I just sat there and thought at a time like this in particular, was that a great story to tell? Would that Was that a good thing for you personally? Was it a good thing for your career? Maybe, you know, I don't know. It just, it just sounded, it just sounded like a, a kind of a dirty, kind of lowbrow inside story. I'm not, ju- I'm not judging her for getting naked in the woman's closet and, like and a- doing her thing, whatever that is. And who knows what happened. And I don't care. It's just the fact that she brought it out in the open and felt like telling everybody. It sounds it. to me based on what we're hearing over the last number of weeks, like something you would now expect out of a Hollywood celebrity thing. And I don't think all celebrities are like this. I don't, but it just, it's, you're now getting well, the point. This is not Tremendous dysfunction. You're right. When you when you sit and you think about the number of times, you know, those celebrities have have stood up and and done funny or not funny, but have done um, social media videos or have appeared on fundraisers for hurricane relief or whatever human disasters occurred, and they get all, you know, maudlin and they get all serious, and and you realize they're actors all the time. All the time, they're acting all the time. The, you don't yeah. know where the where the role, <laughs> where the acting ends, and they actually begin because they're professional phonies. But I don't even mind that right? as much. Yeah, it's true. But I don't even mind that as much as when they make a movie about some important or allegedly important social topic because they are telling you the good people 
are about this. I'm going to tell you how you should think. I'm going to go on a PSA and tell you how you should vote. I'm going to tell you how you should act. And there, it, it's becoming more and more clear they have no platform, no pedestal, no propriety on which to stand. And you know what? Many, many, not all. I think part part of the problem, too, with, with some of this, if, if you're interested in kind of looking at each one of these examples from, from Weinstein right on through to Spacey. You can go this back week before that, Hoffman. Gian Gomeshi and Bill Cosby and all those ones. But And I'm sure there, there are many more examples that we could think of if we had the time and inclination to sit here and go over them. Sure. But if you want to take a few of them apart, um, you know, you, you then have to start comparing examples. Uh, you have to compare, well, what was the allegation against Hoffman? Well, Hoffman had a pretty foul mouth, it seems like. And, but I've been in newsrooms full of men and women who are pretty can tell some pretty sexist jokes and j- deliver some lines and ev- anybody that's worked in newsrooms knows they're dens of dark humor um there've been many times that I've been uncomfortable in newsrooms with things that my male counterparts have said to female counterparts where I've kind of ducked behind my cubicle and put my head down and you know went on my computer mm-hmm. and I thought, ah, I don't want to even be seen in this room right now. Um, the Hoffman thing to me seemed like a like a, a, a mouthiness. A, it was different. It sounds like from some of the Spacey, other Spacey, on the other hand, it's he, that's spooky to me in, in in a way. If what is being said about him uh, is true, then I, you know I'm I'm saddened by it because I'm I'm a fan of his actual work of his acting. Mm-hmm. I think he's an exceptionally good actor but then i start thinking now that i know about these allegations i start going back and looking at some of exactly i'm thinking about in house of cards um if you're familiar at all mm-hmm. with house of cards and there have been times when i've been watching house of cards the last couple of seasons with him doing his uh, his role as the president frank underwood where i've actually felt creeped out well, sitting he's, watching him and then now i'm he's thinking, finding it from a real place there's a, exactly there's a reason you're feeling it because it turns out he may actually be a real creep you know what really struck me though today yesterday today i don't know what it dawned on me about this one but too good at being creepy it was how long ago a month ago that we had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people eulogizing and lamenting the loss of the dearly departed hugh hefner what a great man this was. A man who, yes, his magazine had fine articles, but at its core, a man who, by the name of the magazine, Playboy, it was about using people as playthings. And whether, and so you can argue about the, the propriety of what he did or not, but when you have all this stuff coming out now about people using other people for whatever their gratification is, I, it makes me rethink the... The effect that he and others is not just Hugh Hefner. That but is an epidemic, by the way. I, I what that, what's that? What you said, people using other people. Sure, it is. We're losing our way. I'm go, I'm getting all evangelistic now. No, but, but we, we are. But where does that? It has. It, it's always been around. It's been around since the dawn of time. It has. It, maybe it's a getting older thing. It just seems to me that there's just more of it. It just looks, or it's more acceptable. But he was a guy in modern society who threw open the door, made it acceptable that people were objects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know that you can put a line, that you don't draw a line, though, between in some way between that. And again, he's not the only one. There's Larry Flint and there's uh, Bob Guccione. Bob Guccione. There's others. And there's there's thousands of people who do it now. But if you're going to treat people as objects, I don't think that you can be shocked then when people go a step further and truly treat people as objects. Can't argue with that philosophy at all. Um, exactly. Let's let's try as a society to to not objectify people and see how that works out. If you're shown, maybe you're, we'll find the thing we're looking for. Maybe those people that objectify others will find the real thing they're looking for by not objectifying people. They might find real relationships. They might find real love. They might find real respect. They might find depth. But if you're told, if you're shown on glossy pages that this is the life to live. 
And you must look like this. And you must look like this and act like this. And then you go out and, and smell do like it, this. But I don't have a Playboy mansion, so I don't have. It doesn't work out quite like in the magazine for me, but I'll make it work some other way. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. I go back and I think, would if if Hugh Hefner had died today instead of a month ago, with what we're going through right now with Hollywood and all this stuff, would the eulogies and the obits have been written a little bit different about him? If he had died... Right now, today, as opposed to, I say, a month or a month and a half ago. Because a month and a half ago, yeah. we or never heard... Or if he heard... died several decades ago, maybe even. No, but he... we, we didn't know when he died about Harvey Weinstein, at least not in the term like this. I get your point on that, but if you go back to... I think he was viewed largely by most of society as a pornographer well into the 70s, Hefner was. Maybe even beyond, but yeah, you're Yeah, right. maybe even beyond. Right. I, I, I'd accept that. I think he was viewed just largely... As a dirty pictures guy, that mm-hmm. was his that was his brand, right? Um, you know, so yeah, I, and I think is because he lived so long, and because he he looked nothing like at the he end. was supposed to like his magazine was promoting males to look or females. Then he just became a you know a wrinkled up old baggy man, and oh, isn't he funny? And look at that, he's. Became a satire of himself. He became a joke. Mm-hmm. He became a joke. He he really did. And once you become a joke, you, there's it, it's hard to be angry with a joke. You just think, oh, what a funny old fart. I would. Do you think that? Do you have any reason to think we got to go to a break? Do you have any I don't reason want to, to think? This is I know, a good topic that we will not for an indeterminate period of time continue to be hearing about these things coming forward. I think never end. No, but I think that this recent thing, I think this is, we are at the start of this. I think we're going to be hearing about different celebrities for weeks and weeks. And and you know what's going to happen and it's already happening. People are stopping, are tuning out. Unless it's a name they know and they go, Oh really him? But but it's, but there's, there's also the 15 minutes of fame thing. Like no disrespect to people who have been victimized at, at all. But there, there's all the peop- all the followers that that come after, and I'm not talking about people who've been legitimately victimized. But you know what I mean. There's pack mentality around everything because it all plays out on social media, and everybody wants to be noticed. If there's one major addiction our society has right now, it's an addiction to attention. Mm-hmm. Look at me! Look at me! Look at me! And if that means objectifying me. Well, all right, as long as you're looking at me. It is, uh, I think we're going to be getting a lot more. What's, yeah, you know what? And some of them, many of them, most of them, I don't know. We don't know. None of these have been proven in court. We don't know. You raised the one about Dustin Hoffman. And, you know, if we're talking about someone who tells a dirty joke once in their life, and someone 30 years later says, they they made a dirty joke and I felt uncomfortable, I think 30 years later, you can get over the dirty joke. Well, George, uh, 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 Herbert Walker Bush was... Uh, well, no, he said that they said that he tapped people's bums. Yeah. But I'm not even talking about that. The one with Dustin Hoffman, the first thing that I heard... Now, I don't know what other allegations there are, but the first one was basically he had, a, as you say, he had a potty mouth and made a bunch of dirty jokes, but there was no contact. There was no... No, uh, it was it was vulgarity around female body parts and and i think honestly like someone's going to call and say that i'm being insensitive i'm i'm not but i hope somebody does call 30 years later i think you can probably say okay you know what uh if it was a dirty joke and i'm clinging to it 30 years later that may be a little much if the person tried to flex their power and force you to do something if they did cause you to do something if they sexually assault you or attacked you if they did something besides say something in a joking manner that was okay so i've got to i know we got to go do, do we have to go to break cuz this is a got re- another minute go okay ahead. so this is so this is from my own life okay and i'm not putting hashtag me too on this but what i'm saying is early in my career in my broadcasting career I was hit upon by um, at least two gay males in the media business when I was starting out. I was 20 years old, 21 years old. And it made me feel uncomfortable only in the sense that I'm not gay. So it didn't feel right to me. 
because I'm not I'm not gay. I'm not attracted to men. So, but I but at the same time I was like, well, I understand that you are attracted to to men, and you're you're you find me attractive. So I was flattered too. A little felt a little uncomfortable, but I didn't. I, I, but they didn't sexually assault. No, and they you. didn't say that if you don't do this with me, or if you don't. And they didn't put their hands on me. They didn't say if you don't do something or agree to this or agree to come out to dinner with me that uh, I'm going to make it tough for you to, you know, make your way in 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 this uh, business, et cetera. There was there. And there, see, there, that that to me is a very big difference because if they had done something physically, then there, you say yes, that's right. something but there completely are, wrong. But there are people coming forward now who are. Using examples like the one I just gave you of what I went through to say they've been victimized. And I, I'm sorry. No. And there might be people who would argue with me and say, West, you were victimized, you idiot. You just don't realize it. No, I, 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 I have to feel victimized in order to be victimized. And I didn't. So You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. I love this. I love coming in here. and I'm just come for the mashups. That's the only reason I'm here, yeah. It's like the people who were here on Wednesday who just came for the burgers. We had November burger sampling. You promised me last year after you called me. You called me up after that show at home and said, you wouldn't believe these burgers we just had. And I said, well, thanks for inviting me to like just stand in the studio and... And you said, you promised me that you would make me a part of that this year, and you've let me down. Uh, you I, forgot that you had promised I, I me, I forgot that <laughs> promise, but I've got you on the list for next year. Uh, I could burp towards your face. There's, still some, there's still some meat <laughs> in, in, deep within no, me. No, really. It's, I'm okay. Thank you. Do you are, are you an <laughs> Apple iPhone guy? Do you have an yeah, iPhone? Yeah, I've got an iPhone. And I just bought a, an Apple laptop. That's how... like indoctrinated I'm becoming. Would you buy the Apple... Uh, we only have a few minutes. Would you buy the Apple iPhone X, whatever it's called, 1500 bucks? No. My question is this. No. Why... I don't... Are there any other companies other than Apple that we in the media cover every time they release a product? No. Like when McDonald's says we're putting out a new... Chicken McChorito yeah, burger ca- with Cajun chicken. Do we line up a go, oh, bun We're going to go and listen to the head of McDonald's give a speech while he walks around in a black turtleneck and jeans on the stage talking about <laughs> what the ingredients are in this burger. I, I don't understand no, why we do this with Apple. No. I don't. Well, I do. I understand. We don't do it with Samsung. We don't do it with Google. We don't do it with. We do it with Tesla and and Apple. That's because the only they're two. the cool kids. That's why that the coolest kids get all the attention. It's no, what. What's new about that? That's why we do it. And that's why it gets the coverage, because it's cool. Because to society, that's what matters, man. The iPhone is it. And Tesla. And I, by the way, I'm okay with Tesla getting covered. I want more Tesla. More Tesla, less GM. I, I, I just, I struggle to figure out know. why we give so much it's, attention to it's, them. It's, it's, it's the cool factor. That's, that's all it is. And, and... The the people that make the decisions in the media business are those people, are the people that are interested in Tesla and interested in iPhones, and, and they're, they're a younger generation. Let's be honest, Scott Radley, you're getting up there, you're getting long in the no, tube, no, I, just look, like me. I We're have the two a, guys in the balcony on the Muppet I, Show tonight. I have, yeah, <laughs> I have an iPhone. I love the technology. I love that kind of stuff. I just don't know why Apple alone, because there's lots of companies that are putting out cool things. I don't remember ever seeing the media covering Samsung's release of something. Just And I only say Samsung because they're one of the other main phone companies now. Because Apple's... Do they just not do it right? Apple's, Apple's got it all going on. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Well, homework was never my strong point, so I won't be doing any of that. Well, just, not especially uh, French homework. No. Oh, especially... I believe oh, I believe that I caused I got 55 uh, in grade 9. I may have caused Ms. Blaschke, my high school French teacher to uh quit the career. Miss I agree, Mrs. Reese at uh, Glendale, I think uh was just about ready to pack it in because of me. Yeah, we uh, we did some things to our teachers in high school that as an adult now I look back on and I feel somewhat badly for. Uh, my, others not so much. Others not so much. My, some of them were rotten. My two favorites. <laughs> This is not what we were going to talk about. Who cares? My two favorites. One was, and I didn't do this one, but I knew of it, mm. and I fully supported it, was we were uh, dissecting fetal pigs. 
And oh. when we were done the dissections, one guy cut off the front hooves and cut off the head on an, uh, and went to a teacher's desk drawer when she wasn't there <laughs> and placed them in so it looked like it was looking up at her and trying to climb through. That created a good response. And the other was on a really, really, really cold day. About five or six of us kept in every class, and what are there, six classes in a high school day, having to excuse ourselves from class to go to the washroom. Instead of going to the washroom, we ran, filled up a bucket of cold water, and poured it over a teacher's car. <laughs> so by the time he came out, ice there was about a third of an inch of ice over his entire car, and he couldn't get in, which was awesome. That was a great one. You guys were really uh, menaces, eh? You didn't do anything like that? Oh, no. I was a good boy. In high school, I was perfectly well behaved. Never found myself having to fill out a conduct report. Never sent to the office. Never got into any trouble. No, no? scraps. No nothing. No, I bet I was as clean as could be, just I like bet. now. The fact that you know all those things tells me just how truthful <laughs> you're being. We used to take when they used to still have chalkboards. Take the chalk, clean the board, get all the the brush all chalky, yeah. and then tap the edge of the chalk holder. So when the teacher would lean back, his brown all pants had all over his pants. Now that's funny. Ah, that was a good one. I did spitballs in class. I would do spitballs, pull out my the thing, my big pen and fire spitballs yep. at the board yep. and at friends that sat on the other side <laughs> of the room. Yep. Yeah. And, and my mom would that always... That was fun. My mom always sent me to school. My mom was really good about healthy lunches, which I would promptly try to trade with people for their junk. But she always sent me with a bag of fresh vegetables, yeah. so celery and carrots and stuff. Yeah. I always threw mine in the garbage and went to the burger place <laughs> up the street. So, we would save them until everybody? Miss Lambie's accounting class, and I'd pass them around, and when she would turn and write something on the board, we'd all look at each other and go, crunch. <laughs> and then she would turn around, and everyone would be looking there, not chewing or anything, and then, yeah, we, uh, it's amazing I actually graduated. It is amazing, and became a writer and a talk show host. Just shows, actually, you, that is shows you how little that's normal. the qualifications are to hold such jobs, yeah, I guess. Exactly. Uh, you know, speaking of youth, and that was my idiot youth, but I had a guest on last night, Jamie, and I, yeah. I, I wanted to bring this up because I thought this was startling. There is a poll that came out. It's in the States. It's not a Canadian poll, but I bet you that the numbers would not be all that far off if we did it here. And it involves millennials, so those 15 to 35 who, for a lot of reasons, get dumped upon, sometimes unfairly, sometimes fairly. Usually we, every, fairly. Every generation has things that they should be dumped upon for. In, but this poll that was of 2,300 millennials said one in two, 50% of millennials in the States, given their choice, would rather live in a socialist or communist society because they feel that would be more fair and that would be a better situation for everybody. Why would, that, why would the results surprise anybody? Did, that, did those results surprise you? One in two yeah, would they, say they, that? They do, it, it, does not, it doesn't surprise me that there would be a percentage. 50% seems unbelievable. I thought it would be high. higher than that. Really? Yes, because that's how millennials, uh, 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 the vast majority of them, have been raised. They've been taught um, that, uh, you Equal. know. Exactly. Fair. Exactly. Justice. Yes. No winners, no losers, just participants. We've been over this over and over and over again. But you think that that raising, the raising of kids that particular way. There's more way, cereal in your bowl. There's more pop in your cup. But that's there's led some... to this? Like, it seems like yep. it's a... Uh, yes. I, mm, I, and I, you know what? I'm not disagreeing with you. When, when you... I just, it's a, it's a huge, in my mind, it's a huge gap to go from I, everyone has to get a trophy in hockey or in soccer, to I think it would be cool to live in a communist society. They don't know what they're talking even, about. Well, that's the bigger thing. That's the bigger thing. They don't know what that is. But if you don't know what you're talking about, but eventually you're a voter and you're a decision maker and you now have power. Scary, isn't it? And why don't they know what they're talking about? Why? I'll tell you why. Well, because they're not taught. Well, yes. This, the guy, my guest what last to know night, to talk about. My guest last night made it very clear. He goes, teachers have failed abjectly in or this the, department. Or the education system has, or the Ministry of Education has. I, I don't want to... He points a lot to universities. I don't want to... Okay, fair enough. We're, whatever. The, let's call it... In, so that we're not teacher bashing. We can do that another night. Let's... Let's... No. Let's take the whole education system into account and, and say, parents and parents and parents which are 
That's the other thing. There's always this line drawn between the home and parents and the education system. I get news for you. We're part of it. But if you're <laughs> if you're correct, and We're I the believe the most important part of it. If if you're correct, and I believe you are correct, no one's ever that said that. This is something that has been taught to our kids. That that we have that this has been drummed into our kids, then those of us who are beyond the millennial generation, who are now looking at this, saying, this is crazy, well, we're the ones actually to blame for this. We have created potentially a monster. You are correct, sir. And this whole idea that the the, the millennials walk around with this, this fairness uh, theory doctrine, of theirs, yeah. doctrine, this fairness it is doctrine. A doctrine, it is a doctrine. This fairness doctrine that they walk around with leads to the disease of entitlement. The two things are directly connected. If if you believe that um, you know everything should be fair and equal, you believe that you're entitled to a, a certain amount of of stuff. The problem is everybody's definition of what they are entitled to doesn't actually doesn't actually work out to a fair and equal amount. Like they say they they believe in equalness or fairness, but in their minds they're really thinking that that only applies to me. Whatever I determine to be fair and equal is what I should get. There's the entitlement piece. Not, you know, not a discussion with the person next to them or next to them about how do we define what's fair and equal? Can we have a talk about that? I had a very interesting discussion. I thought totally it was very interesting. siloed and selfish. A couple of years ago. Remember when the, the uh, Occupy Wall Street thing was going great yeah. guns, the 1% and all that? Yeah. And I'm always willing to have a discussion with someone about their view. I'm, I'm willing to listen and willing to hear them out. But when this person was going on about how the 1% and Occupy Wall Street and equality and we should all, the rich should have to pay way more to bring up the bottom and all the rest, I said, okay, I will buy your argument, provided you're consistent. And he goes, of course I'm consistent. And I said, good. 85% of everything you own is going to be taken away from you to give to people in the developing world who make 40 cents a day. Well, no, that's not how that works. (laughs) Well, so this is my point is that, and this is your point. It's great when it's, you know, the rich guys, I'm not like them. They have stuff. They're, they're too rich. They're richer than I am. They shouldn't have that much. But there's always someone behind you who doesn't have you as much as it. you. You got it. So as long as it's benefiting me to the extent at which I believe it should, then it's okay. I wonder how many people, millennials or otherwise, who would support a socialist or communist society would support such a thing if they were, if they had been successful financially in their careers. And I'm not saying nobody who is and successful were, holds to that view. Yeah, and they're now probably they going to give up 75% of it. Uh, which again goes back to your point. Is this about fairness or is this about fairness for me? And most of the, most of the, the millennials that I suspect would have responded in favor of, uh, you know, a communist sort of setup or socialist setup are the ones living in their parents' basement. Well, and they're, in, they're on the other end. They're, they're close to the end of that millennial thing. They're in their 30s, early 30s. I, you know, I, I'm I don't not kidding know. when I no. say that. I'm not being facetious at all. I actually believe it. I think that many of them, uh, I, don't know, I, I don't know if I would go that far, but I think that many of them probably have gone through university, have not been able to get the job that they thought they would get at the end that things are more difficult. And I don't deny that. I don't deny that for a second that it's very difficult these days. Never mind the getting at the end. I'm so sick and tired of people talking about getting something at the end of something. You, you don't, you don't get something handed to you at the end of anything. You're, you're, you're going to, and we'll just, you brought up university education. You're, you're educating, getting educated at university. You should be starting to work towards Finding opportunities or creating opportunities for yourself through contact with people in the field that you're educating yourself on from the day you hit that university campus. That's what you should be doing. You should be marketing yourself from day one. You know, they are not coming to you. 
You need to reach out. But Jamie, you need all to those network. things that you need to have social skills, which you, your parents didn't give you before you went to university. All those things those you're talking on. about, though, there's so much unfairness, though, Jamie. There's so much unfairness. <laughs> Somebody might not be socially gifted to do that. that. And too damn bad. Learn the skills. It's never too late to learn the skills. Never. Got a call. Bill is on the line. Bill wanted to get into this one. Bill, how are you tonight? Learn the skills. Never Bill, turn your radio yeah. down. Bill, if you could turn your radio off, that would be terrific. Well, not off. Turn your radio down, Bill. Bill, how are you? My point was is that I think that the way that the income's been divided up, um, you know, amongst the rich compared to the poor, the way that people go without sick days, you know, the way that people have precarious employment, unpaid internships, all of these things, um, I don't. I'm not surprised that people do want a communist system. They're tired of getting screwed. It's not the same as before. You don't join a company. You join. You join as a contractor, and then they they shove you off. And if you're sick, too bad. You wow, wow, sick. wow. No wow. benefits. All of those things. What a bunch of whining, Bill. The problem. The problem, Bill, is that. It- the the problem here, sorry, I'm getting a, a lot of feedback on this. The problem is that if we're talking about a socialist or a communist society, fairness is really, do you not agree that fairness is impossible? It is impossible for everyone to have the same. Someone is always going to end up with more. And if you go to a society like that, go to a system like that, those who end up with it are those in the government. So it's just moving from private sector to government sector. Someone is always going to be living up, living well. Look at every socialist or communist society. The government people are always doing exceptionally well. I guess what I take, what I take umbrage with or what I'm against is you're talking like everyone who thinks that way is lazy. They don't want to work. They're not out applying for jobs. You know, they're they're dreads. They they just leave society. But the opposite. Would you say that about everyone who's a capitalist? That they're they're a selfish pig and they they just want everything from themselves and they don't care about anybody else? No, Bill, no. And I want to let Jamie jump in here. But no, I, I don't think that at all. I think there's a lot of people who work very hard who don't make as much as other people who work maybe a little bit less because of the line of work they're in or because of an idea they've had. I mean, look, this Bill is Bill Gates the hardest working guy in America? I don't know that I could say that. He's one of the richest, but I don't think that that necessarily means he's the hardest working. There's probably people who work way harder yeah. and make fractions, make pennies on what he makes. And I, I, don't yeah, mean- I guess I'm just hearing you guys make huge stereotypes about, you know, I, I mean, they just, got to start looking for a job and they that's just the way it is and we didn't say that the way though. it is and too bad and suck it up buttercup and that's the way but we can improve things you know well no it, we can improve things but uh, it, do you it, think it, that improving it would be to go to this is this is where this started from that that 50 percent of a certain age group who are now being the largest cohort in our society right. believe that a socialist or communist system would be a better system than what we have. Do you agree with that? I think socialism, a socialist, absolutely, as opposed to... But we live in one. What the, the, is it the 0.5% of people control 30% of the income in the world? I think that's ridiculous. And everybody else has to stand there, you know, taking their little bits, you know, and then, it, 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 I mean, that's changing. It's getting worse and worse. The wealthy are holding more and more of the money, the, the dream of... of being able to well, pull your socks up and, and, and make that type of great life just isn't there anymore. Bill, listen, exist. I, I really appreciate your call. Thanks for joining in on this one. Thanks for the time. Uh, 75%, I read this last week, mm-hmm. of people in the States. Now, again, these are American stats. 75, sorry, 1%, the highest 1% in the States pay 75% of the taxes in the States. Does that make it okay? I don't know. But certainly you can't argue that they're not paying something. They're gliding through. Anyway, go I appreciate what I appreciate Bill's call, and I'm and that that's great. And uh, again, uh, thanks for calling and making those points, uh, Bill. I don't think that we were. I don't think either one of us were trying to draw a line between being socialist, having a socialist or communist society, and being lazy. Uh, That uh, that doesn't ring with me. I understand that there are neocons out there that do put that idea forward uh, quite frequently. Um, I, I I do think, though, that 
um, we are becoming a little bit more of a society, to Bill's point, of, of the haves and have-nots. But here's the thing. If you find yourself in the have-nots group, for sake of an argument, and you're not happy being there, then you have a duty to stand up and voice and shout as loud as you can and take action to change that. That means one of two things. You either find some sort of an entrepreneurial bent that will put you into the category of the haves because everybody can do that. The, you, you can come up with an idea. You can do something that will further you in, in this society. You do. There are freedoms. There are ways to get things done. Alternatively, you have to gather the masses of the have-nots and get them to actually stand up and do things like vote and get engaged in the political process and rise up and topple the haves. But once you've es- Noam Chomsky has said that's going to happen. The Economist has said... But th- once you've established a socialist or communist system that has been put in place, that becomes almost impossible. Look, two examples. Oh, definitely. Two examples. North Korea, and when I'm, I'm not, I don't I, think most people who voted in this poll are looking at North Korea as utopia. But there, what do you have? You, they're all have-nots. And go to Venezuela, a socialist system. They are all have-nots except the government, except the leaders of the government. There is no system. There never has been a system on this planet that has been established as a socialist or communist system where everybody, or a capitalist for that matter, where everybody is equal. There is always... There always is going to be someone in charge, Who's got whether more. you like it or not, and they are always going to have more. more power, more privilege, more money, more food. There is no such thing as equality. Can we, can we, uh, do we like it if people are more equal? I suppose we do. But is the answer to making everyone more equal by saying we all have to be have-nots as opposed to saying you have the opportunity, as you just said, Jamie, to try at least and work and scratch and claw how many people came to this country from the old country as they say came over on a ship from europe somewhere with nothing think about how courageous that move alone and think of how many people who are risky wealthy or reasonably wealthy today came here with absolutely nothing and worked up there not everyone succeeded not every one of them made it that's that's the part about this that always gets me, that always surprised me. When or that you know, when I was reading this poll and talking to him yesterday, it's not that everyone is going to succeed, but I don't know that we want to make it so that nobody really has that chance to succeed. I absolutely agree, and if you're, it's just my personal belief. But if you're that unhappy working for the man, so to speak, uh, or the woman, whoever the CEO is, whatever, or the organization or company, then and you don't like it, then start your own company. Bill, That's thanks simple. for the call. Uh, love to hear from you. Radley at 900chml.com if you have a thought on this one. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. I both, like that. Thankfully, both finally in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Can you believe the Beastie Boys got in there before Rush did, though? I can't. Did you know that there are 19 nominations for the Hall of Fame this year? 19 inductees or nominations? Nominations. That's what is, is that like what, 19 people going in? 19 bands or entities. Yeah. What the? Who could be left? I don't. Well, there's lots left, but why are you nominate? Why are we nominating 19 to go in? And then they have you know people vote on this, right? You got to go on and okay. So the 2000. Oh no, that's last. Uh, 20, 2018. I think it would be in, uh, nominees. So I think, is this the one? ELO? No, they went in. Oh, they went in the last year. Yeah. Okay, so, so oh, here we are. Okay, nominees. class of 2018 nominees. Bon Jovi. I think there's 19. Kate it's Bush. Kind of... The Cars. Depeche Mode. Cars belong in there. Oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, That's right, me. Yeah. I'm off mic. Bon Jovi, Kate Bush, The Cars, Depeche Mode, Dire Eurythmics. Straits, Eurythmics, Jay Giles Band, eh. Judas Priest, Link Ray, eh. Eh. LL Cool J, uh-uh. MC5, no. The Meters, Moody Blues, yes. Nina Simone, Radiohead, Rage Against the Machine, Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. That's no. a song, not a, a band. Uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp and the Zombies. Okay, so... Zombies? Get out of here. Okay, Bon Jovi is pop but they're a rock band. 
So they see this is what I've always thought was interesting about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think there is a Hip Hop Hall of Fame, but there's no rock bands in that. But here we what have is Kate LL- Bush doing there as a nominee. By the way, she's not quite I, a rock. I star, love her stuff, but she's not a rock. I understand she did. She had like two pop hits. If that. LL Cool J was a hip hop artist. I, I don't. This is you know they need to change the name of it. I think they what? need to change the name to call it the Popular Music Hall of Fame, and then it makes some sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, again, Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. That's a song. That that's who, what you put on a record for when you make. Do, have they worked together constantly? And if so, why is she only being featured? Yeah, they don't have a body of work that would uh, justify entry into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. MC5, okay. I don't know. Isn't that they the British uh, Secret Service? Good for... Uh, <laughs> you're thinking of DC5. No, MI5. MO, that's what MI5. you're thinking of, right. Um, Rufus. My neighbor used to have a dog named Rufus, but I don't know the... Well, do I know the singer the, Rufus? I don't know. The, the Moody Blues, yes. Um, do you know who Sister Rosetta Tharp is? No, I don't. I believe she was a nun from the Third Parish. Great. I don't know. Who, um, no, I don't know who that is. There was somebody that sang the Lord's Prayer years ago. The, in the meters and turned into. I don't a know hit. the meters. Dire Straits. Dire Straits should be in. I like Dire Straits. Eurythmics. I, I mean, these are. As, let's just take it apart as nominees. So Bon Jovi, okay, fine as a nominee. The Cars, yes. Depeche Mode, yes. Dire Straits, yes. Eurythmics, yes. Jay Giles. Oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. Yes. Well, for okay. two songs they did. Can you, you know that's what they should have fold, a, right? That's and, your and freeze frame. Freeze frame. Yeah, yeah. But their best song was Love Stinks. <laughs> all, all, and that's true. I was going to say all their good songs were about cameras, but they do have Love Stinks. <laughs> so I thought maybe they had some shares in Kodak or something once upon a time. But I, I, but you could... I, Judas you could, Priest? You could easily cut that list down to six nominees. Well... Easily. Uh, they gotta have, you got to have some voters and stuff, I suppose. you got to have people... Uh, oh, let me see. Here's and, some pictures. I didn't realize there were pictures. And I'm not saying that all of the nominees are not uh, talented or, or, you know... Uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp, by the way, who I know nothing about, uh, became eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1963. So she's been waiting a while. Uh, Did they even have a Hall of Fame in 63? No, but you have to have... I don't even know what the qualification is. You you reach eligibility at a certain point in your career or having put out a certain number of records or... I don't know what it is. Uh, But she's been around for uh, apparently quite a while. I don't know. Never heard of her. Uh, Have you ever been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I'm dying to get there. I really am. I want to go to Cleveland and check it out. Yeah. I I, I really do. Don't you? I do. Let's do a road trip. We should. We'll do a show from there. They do have studios there. We could do your show from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one night and turn it into a special. I think it'd be great. You love music. I love music. We could have the Stones on. Well, let's do we can it. have Rush on. We can have all the biggest names. We can have actually, John Lennon. It's actually a cool idea. It's yeah. a very cool idea. You know, one of I the do want to go. I remember the first time that I ever really heard about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I think what was what really got my attention was that they had a display on where John Lennon's glasses that he was wearing when he was assassinated are on display. You're talking about the thing that that Yoko the Wacko did with his bloody clothes too. Yeah, yeah that was disgusting. That that is I something that I don't. I've I don't talked quite about get. This I don't air. quite get the point. The point is that she is in the business of marketing John Lennon, and she's trying. But that's to, kind of ghoulish for your wife. It's extremely ghoulish. It's disgusting. She was she was saying that no, this is you know she's a an anti violence well, moment. Well, she's a she's a performance artist, as you know historically and she thought that it would talk it would shock people and get them to think about gun control it's disgusting and john lennon if he were alive today i fully believe would have said are what are you out of your mind well if he was alive they wouldn't have this display no will, i know but are you out of your mind come on will can you quickly look up the uh, there's a clip online of yoko ono oh. singing at a museum All see you if do you is can boss find this that. guy around see if you can find the clip of yoko ono singing so we can share the vocal stylings of Yoko, pick any you, track off a of double fantasy. Because when you talk B-side. about uh, when you talk about her as a singer as an artist, um, she's quite a singer and quite an artist. It's no wonder she has to rely on the uh, unfortunately those kind of things. But but that was a disgusting thing with the bloody clothes. I thought that was okay. Uh, all right, here we go. Okay, you can stop it now. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. Okay, well, we're, okay, we're losing audience rapidly here. Sure. 
Our audience is bleeding out, literally. We're, we've their, lost every listener. Their ears are bleeding yeah. from that one. It goes on and on and on. It actually sounds like Yoko Ono stepped in a bear trap and they put a mouth by she, or a microphone by her mouth while she was uh, trying nuts. to extract herself. She's nuts. Just I, nuts. I do want to go to the raw. It, it apparently is very, very good. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. You know what it is, Jamie? I am simply entitled. <laughs> you are. At least that's what Michelle Obama said this week about boys. She Uh-oh. says Uh-oh. she was speaking to uh, a summit of some kind or another, and her quote is, it's like the problem in the world today is we love our boys and we raise our girls. She went on to say that, where's the line here? That uh, that women overprotect. They they they. She claimed men are raised to be babies, while women are raised to be strong. Yeah. Now there, are, I, um, I have no doubt that mm. there are some people who fall into that category. But is it a, overall? No. Overall, are women raised to be soldiers and men raised to be wusses these days? Maybe you know what? She may be partly right on one point. Boys are not supposed to be boys these days. You're not supposed to let them loose, and they're not supposed to be crazy like, you know, where you can do stuff. If you do something, if you ever hit someone or something yeah, or else. Come in with a skin knee. There, there are some things that, you know, you're not supposed to. So maybe, yeah, maybe we don't want boys to be boys the way boys once were allowed to be boys. But I don't know that I'm saying they're raised to be babies we, and girls are raised to be powerhouses. I think that might be wishful thinking on her part. I, I mean... Uh, you know, I, I like a lot of what Michelle Obama has sure. to say and uh, how she uh, represented the office of the first lady when she was the first lady. But I I, I don't agree with that in, in general. I think that um, boys and girls are being uh, helicoptered equally in today's society. And, and I think that uh, children... Across or, the board. Yeah, are being... Are, are are being wrapped in bubble wrap, and uh, the main goal of parents uh, today is to ensure that the children, both boys and girls, feel no disappointment, no pain, no nothing. Here's her quote. Or any form of discomfort. Are, this is a quote. Are we protecting our men too much so they feel a little entitled and self-righteous sometimes? But that's kind of on us, too, as women and mothers. We nurture men and push girls to be perfect. Wow. Um, I think... You have you have daughters. Yeah, I still... I You have stepson, right? You have yep, a stepson. I have a stepson. I, I have two stepsons okay. and a stepdaughter. Do you... And two daughters. Treat them... Psychologically, do you treat them knowingly, dramatically differently? No, not at all. Do you look at your daughters and say, "I, you must be no. better than him"? No, no, not at all. Uh, the only the only lines on which I treat them differently is uh, related to their ages, not their sexes. Their ages. I mean, there's there's you know you don't you don't treat a twelve year old like you treat a five year old, right? But that's it. Um, no, there's this you know. There's this whole thing about um, I I don't think because she mentions raising boys as babies. That's what's got me going on this whole thing about what we need to be doing is we need to be raising both boys and girls to understand a little bit more of the reality of what human interaction is and what life has to offer. And, And sometimes life has unfairness to offer. Uh, or is just going to deliver it. It's not going to offer it. It's just going to give it to you. Um, and I think we need to get kids more ready for the real world. And uh, that's what I think is missing today. I, her quote here it has nothing to do with boys well, being babies or girls being raised to be tough. Her quote here like is that. halfway bang on. She's got it half right, I think, where she says, "Are we um, are we protecting our men too much?" I don't think you need to say men. Are we protecting our kids too much? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I think she's absolutely right if she was to broaden it to that. I don't think that it's only boys that we're protecting. I think we're very protective of our girls as well. We most certainly are. And I don't think that – I can't remember any time in the last 20 years or 30, frankly, where girls weren't 
told at least that they can be every bit as good as as uh, as boys. In fact, I can go back further than that. I'm I'm 51 years old now. That that started that bit started with my generation. You know, while I was watching Sesame Street uh, and the Electric did they Company, have TV when you were a kid, they did. It had just arrived. Oh. <laughs> And they were carved it out of stone tablets. And that was there was a th- whole thing going on at the time called you know it was the whole pop psychology thing was starting and the free to be you and me movement mm. was on, and that Phil was Phil Donahue's wife. What that, was her name? Marlo Thomas. Marlo Thomas. Yes. That girl. Um, and it was uh, it was that whole thing about um, you know girls can be every bit as as good as boys can do the same thing, and that's how I grew up. I didn't grow up for one second thinking that women couldn't be firefighters or police officers or, uh, you know, I never had a belief otherwise. So I don't know what she's on about. I don't. I just know that we're, we're, we're really letting our kids down by and large by, by wrapping them in bubble wrap and helicoptering them and not allowing them to feel disappointment because we are going to take that disappointment onto ourselves and we're not willing to bear the pain of it ourselves. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Outrage on social media this week. And I mean, like, people furious with this. It's a food item that is, uh, a picture was put on social media You've probably had pizza with straw with uh, pineapple on it before. Yeah, they have love created it. pizza covered in strawberries. Would I'll, you ever eat strawberry pizza? That is a bridge too far. It really is. What? Who in the? What in the? San hell is going on here? I, I've got a picture of a slice of it in front of me, and I'll tell you, it looks like a disease. I, it, it doesn't it, look like pizza. It, it kind of looks That's awful. A little bit like a, uh, a a core sample of someone's cancerous leg. I was just going to say it's, uh, it's wow. It does not look appealing. I couldn't have come up with a grosser image than the one you just created. For Although people. I bet it actually tastes pretty good. If you like pineapple on pizza, if you like that sweet mixed with the cheese and the grease and everything else, it probably tastes pretty good. I'd go with blueberries before I do this. Oh, that's that's oh, <laughs> oh maybe man. How about bananas on pizza. Oh, dude. Ah, I'm, listen, I'm Stick up for to olives. I'm up for almost any fruit. Mango pizza, kumquat pizza. <laughs> Kiwi. Actually, I don't even know what Kiwi kumquat pizza? tastes like. Starfruit. So. Starfruit. Mm. On and on we go. Yeah. The Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred AM nine hundred CHML.